0: Hi, this is Mandy Griffin and I'm Katie Swalwell and welcome to our dirty laundry stories of white ladies making a mess of things and how we need to clean up our act. Hi, it's Mandy and it's Katie. Katie with me. We are back. We have been gone for a while, it seems like. No. And not for even any <laughs> reason
1: aside from just like the busyness. It, you would think summer would slow down, but it
0: hasn't. No, no. And, no. You know, that's
1: where we're at. So yeah. um, we're going to pivot a little bit because I know you don't have a ton of time today. And I really okay. think this is like a great follow up from our last episode about Riot Girls. Um, oh, yeah. where, this season, we're really focused on white feminism and all the ways that it falls short. Um, and I'm really excited. I think we should do a book study next of one of the white feminist books, like the critiques uh-huh. of white feminism that we've both been reading. So we'll figure out which one we want to start with first. But this, there's no way to end the this part of thinking about like music and white feminism without um, this discussion. So I have huh. just
0: do
1: another manifesto. If you remember, we started off with the Riot Girl manifesto last time. Hi. A friend of mine said she was listening and had to like stop the recording because she was crying, just remembering being like a tween girl, reading that for the first time and, you know, just feeling really fired up. So here, I want you to read with me this other manifesto.
0: (laughs) Are we calling this a manifesto? (laughs) You want to just
1: alternate lines
0: here? (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I can do it without singing it.
1: Curious <laughs> piece of political, you know, manifesto. Let's do it. Okay. Go are ahead. you starting?
0: You can start. Are we starting right at the beginning? <laughs> yes, we are. We, Katie didn't tell me about this. <laughs> I did get this right, right? Like, Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I want a hay. I want a <laughs> hey.
1: <laughs> I really, really, really want a zig a zig. Okay. if you want my feature, forget my past. If you want to get with me, better make it fast. No, don't go wasting my precious time. Get your act together. We could be just fine. I'm gonna skip the, the I, chorus. I it over that. Is okay. that, yeah. So do you? Okay, I mean, I know you have this song in your head. Like, there's, you're right. It's really hard to just say those words and not actually sing them
0: out. So we've just put that earworm into every listener's head. So do you know the name of this song?
1: Actually, I didn't know it.
0: I did not know that it was called Wanna Be.
1: I would have never. If you wanna be my lover, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Friend. Yeah. yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. It really makes sense. If there's one thing that I can say about that song, it's that it really makes sense. So <laughs> it's very easy to make fun of this. And I, were you ever a fan of the Spice Girls? I find it really hard to oh, remember I mean,
0: Not like a fan, but I knew the songs. I listened to the songs for sure. But I, I mean, I didn't ever remember idolizing them or anything. I mean, I was more of the uh, Ani DeFranco, um, oh, sure. you know. The, the Lilith Fair like girls crowd. That's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, like, you could not escape this music. So, of course, I knew the songs. But I think at this point, we were a little like older than their fan base. Apparently, there's mm. something called the Spice Girls Generation. Um, oh. And this comes from a New York Times article. I'll cite a couple of these at the end. That they're the only, this is the quote, "They're only people in history to have both grown up with the internet and to retain childhood memories that predate it. Born primarily in the mid to late 1980s, they are human bridges between two eras whose anachronistic birth years uh, with their faraway century will cause their heirs' eyes to widen at their obituaries. That makes me feel old. Yep. <laughs> but I think when this when Spice Girls hit the scene, we were like 17, 18. So I think we were probably like a little too old because I, I think a lot of their target audience was like 11 and 12-year-old girls. I I was even trying to remember like what was going on in my mind or what was happening, but because really they were so international, they were so everywhere all the time with everything. Uh, This is actually pretty interesting. So why I'm thinking about Spice Girls is because when you think about the phrase girl power, this Mm -hmm. like catchphrase that goes along with so much of white feminism last week, we talked about how, Girl power in started with these riot girl bands, um, specifically Bikini Kill. There was also a punk pop band out of the UK called Shampoo. That their first album was called Girl Power in the like early nineties. But they were so that kind of like punk scene is where this phrase initiated, and then the Spice Girls had it as their motto. And it just exploded, and they were so incredibly popular and everywhere that it launched that phrase into the stratosphere. So, according to the like legend of the Spice Girls, there's like books about their history. I did not invest that much time in it because mm-hmm. the Spice Girls. But um, Jerry Halliwell, one of the members, and we'll get into it. Apparently, was the one who pushed the concept of girl power, and then had this oath to for people to recite. I, being of sound mind and new wonder bra, do solemnly promise to cheer and dance and zig a zig Ariba, girl power. Gross. Oh,
0: Lord. <laughs> like, oh, <gosh. laughs>
1: All right. So this article, um, this is a different article from the BBC, says, even if the parameters were a little hazy, the idea was potent. The Spice Girls stood for freedom, self-belief, and disobedience, and they inspired generations to stick up for themselves. Um, Emma, who was... Oh, this is actually, yes, Emma Baby Spice said, We're all putting forward, we're all about putting forward positive ideas for girls and letting them see that they don't have to conform to what people expect of them. Um, Jerry went on to say, For me, girl power was a punchy way of saying it, but actually, girl power embodies much more than a gender. It's about everybody. Everybody deserves the same treatment, whatever race you are, gender you are, age you are. It was just saying it in a very digestible way.
0: So, digestible way. <laughs> that, that sounds like white feminism right
1: there. <laughs> and I'm completing it by saying, like, hashtag everyone matters. That's what mm-hmm. mm-hmm. are. Actual fuck. Okay. So, they are the most successful girl, girl group of all time. Their mm. first single, which we just read the lyrics from, was released in 1996, was number one in 37 countries. And their debut album, Spice, is still one of the best selling albums by any female group. Um, so they started, um, in 1994, I guess this, this father-son music manager kind of team from England had the idea of creating a girl group that mimicked some boy band that was popular called Take That, which I've never heard of. So I don't know Uh what story is but the this idea was in the 90s like oasis was a big british band Mm -hmm. there was this kind of like boys with guitars you know and they were saying super sexist things and so this managing father-son team had this idea like we would have this like girl group to challenge it so they posted this ad that said are you 18 to 23 with the ability to sing dance are you streetwise outgoing ambitious and dedicated So they have this like open casting call, you know, all of these women come in to perform hundreds of people show up. They initially called the group touch, which I found to be creepy and then just spice. And then they added spice girls. So it was whittled down to eventually like these five people who we would know Victoria Adams at that point now. Beckham, Melanie Brown, Emily Benton, um, Mel J. There's Mel B and Mel J. Remember? Oh. I
0: really
1: mm. totally forgotten all that. I had things. forgotten that. Yep. Um, Mel J. Chisholm and Geraldine Estelle Hallowell, Jerry Hallowell. And those five became the Spice Girls. Um, So they are like training basically with this father son do. And they realize that they don't really like these guys and that they're making them like, dress exactly the same and they have just like a different vision. And so I didn't know this. I thought I knew that they were like a manufactured group put together for this mm-hmm. reason, but what they, they decided they didn't like these managers. Um, they also wanted there to be like a lead singer and four backups. And they, the five women were like, no, we want to all be, you know, equally yeah. staged and we all want to be different. We're not the same people. We want that to be reflected in our stage presence. And so they, stole their masters and like drove off in a like a little tiny car, Jerry's Fiat Uno. They like shove in and then literally like drive off with their masters and ditch these guys. And mm-hmm. they had already performed somewhere so there was like some buzz about them. So they go to like a more famous manager and kind of bust up into his office and they're like we're not leaving until you manage us. So I think what shocked me was that there's some of their story that actually is like has more of the riot girl attitude than i would have thought yeah yeah Um, can you remember the five
0: names the five well there's there's baby spice and Mm -hmm. scary spice (laughs) um sporty spice Uh huh oh i'm not posh Cause that's yes. Victoria but Beckham. I think, right. Yes. She's posh spice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't remember the fifth one.
1: The fifth one is Jerry Halliwell. And I,
0: all I could think of was spicy spice,
1: which <laughs> <laughs> is like not right, but she was ginger spice. I
0: think. Oh, okay. She. Redhead. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Mel B was named scary spice because apparently this, this is a quote from one of the people on their first, um, like video shoots, photo shoots. She was so loud and tried to take over the shoot. What (laughs) stands out about Mel B? Do you remember? She's black. Yeah. She's the only only black girl in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Um, That sounds about right.
1: we'll talk about this a little bit in just a second but um
0: yeah
1: so her they all like really amped up like whatever their personality was that they chose to be distinct they were just encouraged to like ramp it up to the nth degree so baby spice wore like fluffy pink like pigtails Mm -hmm. and all of like always wore pink and purple fuzzy stuff sporty spice always wore like Rip away pants, like athletic gear, you know, Scary Spice mm-hmm. wore like leopard print and leather jeans, which is like just on a level of symbolism. Yeah. Hard to think about. Um, Ginger usually wore like a bunch of UK themed stuff. If you can picture like her dress, the, like the British flag dress. mhm. Um, So, they all kind of had like their shtick. Actually, just in the last couple of years, Mel B, AKA Scary Spice, has spoken up a lot more about the racism that she experienced as part of the group. Uh Like when they were traveling, especially, or even just as part of the group, that when they would be on like video sets, the stylist would want to straighten her hair or they wouldn't have like the right products for her. And she really pushed back against it and said, That is a huge part of my identity. She's actually, um, She's from London, I think. And her dad is black and her mom is white. Uh, and this for her, this was like a super important thing to have representation in the group. She is quoted a couple of years ago saying, um, I'd get really emotional letters from girls and their moms saying how incredible it was that they had someone to be when they did dances in the playground at school and they were actually daring to wear their hair out and proud rather than scrape back or straightened. That was a big mm-hmm.
0: deal. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the show Pen15, by the way? I know of the show and I've seen a couple episodes, but I haven't watched all of it, but yeah, I love
1: it more than I can say it is mm-hmm. so good. If anyone's looking for a new show, the premise is these two women who are like actresses who are actually in their thirties, like the real people are playing versions of themselves when they were 13 and all the other actors in like the nineties and all the other actors cast around them are actual 13 year olds. And there's literally mm-hmm. times you can't tell that they aren't 13 themselves. They're so great at acting and it's like cringy and poignant and super funny and sad and it's just such a good show. Um but there's this one fantastic episode called Spice Girls, I think, where the the two friends, one is a white girl and one um her dad is white and her mom is Asian, um, and they they're like playing Spice Girls in the backyard and the like cool, popular girls in the school are all white girls and they're like, oh you, you know, you're Mel. Like of course you would mm. be Mel because you're the mm-hmm. only girl here that it's such a good episode. So, for if anyone is like unfamiliar with having this like pop culture moment of the Spice Girls from their own childhood, I recommend um seeing it. They Melby also says that after they they got like super famous super fast and just like hundreds of millions of dollars kaboom in like a year. She mm-hmm. bought a mansion um in the UK and then the village that she bought the mansion in a bunch of villagers sent her like super racist letters saying like, you're out of our village. You don't belong here. You can't buy something like this. And so she said that she just um, threw really loud parties to piss people (sighs) in the village. Um, So, okay. So the, the group gets put together. They've got wannabe comes out. It's like this smash hit. And so this is according to Katie Weaver in the New York times in 1997. This is what, at least some of what happened to the Spice Girls—they had the best-selling um, album in the U.S. Um, they were on the Brit Awards, where Jerry wears this famous Union Jack dress that like becomes iconic. They are meeting royals. They go to Cannes Film Festival to announce their plans for a movie. They record an album. They record a movie. They um, are traveling all over the world. They meet Nelson Mandela who apparently described meeting the Spice Girls as one of the greatest moments in my life,
0: which... That seems like an overstatement.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, they published a book. They, their first concert was actually in Istanbul, Turkey. And I was like, why would that be? Found out through these rabbit holes that it's because Pepsi sponsored their tour and Turkey is where Pepsi outsells Coke. And so that's where they started their tour. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. A little so, tidbit. A lot, capitalism, a lot of capitalism wrapped up. We'll get mm-hmm. into that. They um performed in Indonesia and apparently performed like a Maori dance that pissed off Maori leaders. They end up firing their manager that they had the new guy that they had gotten. They premiere their movie. They shoot a bunch of music videos. Like, oh my God, that's in one year. And they're all in mm-hmm. their early twenties. Yeah. Which is just bananas. I mean, I cannot imagine being catapulted like that. Um, In that, in the first two years of the band, they put their names on more than a hundred products, including Mm -hmm. potato chips, Polaroid cameras, Benetton, Fabergé, which I didn't even know was like still a thing, lollipops, supermarkets, phone cards, Cadbury's chocolate, body spray, like you name it. They would put their name on it. They had their own, Line of pajamas, beach towels, dolls, cards, bean bags, cakes, beach towel—just like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the movie? I don't think so. I legit want to watch it now. Just having done <laughs> this to see, yeah. But they've got this movie. It's like the plot sounds bananas. It's a mockumentary and space aliens come. There's like a bomb on a bus. There's like journalists attacking them. It's apparently this like totally bananas movie critics absolutely hated it, but it made its budget back 14 times over. So wow. who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah, And now it's like a cult classic. They're also like a, like gay icons, like queer mm-hmm. icons I'm not even totally sure why. I think maybe there's like some kind of campiness about it. That was part of it. I don't know. Um, mm. Some of the critics um, who, who, Everyone notes in all the histories about the Spice Girls were mostly white men. So there's a lot of sexism in -hmm. their critiques. And so that's where I found it hard to tease out. Like, yeah, it is this like super shallow, empty, white, feminism, capitalist nonsense. And also more than that, too. It's like this kind of complicated mix. But here are some of the critics. Um, Dustin Howe in the Washington Post said, it was a, the movie was about as awful and shamelessly pandering as a fanzine movie could dare to be. Roger Ebert um, said that um, let's face it, the Spice Girls could be duplicated by any five women under the age of thirty standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, um, <laughs> Jen Boyer for the Orlando Sentinel said that watching the movie was like being kicked to death by a pack of wild Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian oh, yeah. Westwood described their marketing as child molestation. Um, Tom York of Radiohead. Oh, wow. I, I don't, I don't, maybe. Child they're
0: molestation. Like,
1: Tom York of Radiohead labeled them the Antichrist.
0: Oh, um, wow. That's severe.
1: It's intense. Yeah. So there's <laughs> like this very legitimate, I think, critique that they are like appropriating Riot Girl, girl power, which we know from our last episode already had white feminism at its base in problematic ways it's just like taking the kind of worst parts of it and then just amplifying it and they have this like massive um following but there but then there are these you know these critics that are are being like so harsh or this guy um chris evans not the actor but this is a british talk show host apparently Mm -hmm. when victoria beckham had a baby she came onto the show afterwards and he weighed her on the show to see if she was back to her pre-baby weight what how did she allow oh, yes. this who said who said yes to that why did I she do it like kick that weight thing whatever those are called what is it even called isn't that terrible scale <laughs> 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 clearly not number one on my priority list um but then there, there's all these uh, reports too that when they would meet with journalists especially male journalists that they would just like totally disrupt the interview, like wouldn't let the interview go. I think this was at the peak of their fame. Like when the five of them were together, really just kind of like toy with the interviewers in Mm. like almost anarchic kind of ways. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just complicated. Um, Then, okay. So Jerry Halliwell actually quits um, during their tour, apparently because she wanted to talk about having breast cancer as a teenager and, couldn't I don't really know why that I I couldn't get into that, but she said a bunch of controversial things too. Like, there's this sense of like, oh Spice Girls now it's this thing, and who was the first Spice Girl? And at the time, they're like, oh Margaret Thatcher was the first Spice Girl. You know, she and and po- propping her up who's this like incredibly conservative prime minister? Yeah. But a woman, so there's a sense like we don't care what your politics are if you're a girl, like go girl, you know, kind of
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um,
1: Same thing with Theresa May. Same thing. They even um, Jerry Halwell said that even Winston Churchill, he was the first Spice Girl because he got fired and won a war for us. And he, then it's like, well, now what does it even mean? It doesn't mean anything yeah. if you're applying it to like an old dead white dude. Like what? Uh-huh. Um, but the idea was like anyone who stands up, no matter what they're rooting for, you got to give them credit. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay. So they're, they're like blowing up this like massive, super famous, everything, um, that it is this complicated mix. So this, um, American feminist Jennifer Posner wrote in Sojourner, and I actually need to track down the original article. I was having trouble finding it, but I love this quote. This is from 1998. So right at the peak of their fame, like immediately drawing criticism from all these different angles. Mm -hmm. Um, Jennifer Posner says, it's probably a fair assumption to say that zigzagga is not spiced shorthand for subvert the dominant paradigm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I, I go with that.
1: Probably true. Um, However, like in the last couple of years, there's been like retrospectives and sort of looking back at the impact that they had. And so they've been uh, they're on Rolling Stone's list of the millennial 100, 100 people, music, cultural touchstones and movements that shaped the millennial generation. Um, You have a ton of musicians now saying like they were super inspiring to them or that at that time, feminism was like a dirty word and that this gave them permission to use it and to you know, think about themselves as, you know, people who should have voices, et cetera. Um, so they ended up breaking up. 2012 was the last time they all five performed together at the closing ceremony of the London Olympics. So there, and of course, like Victoria Beckham is definitely the most famous of all of them. She marries the soccer player. Whatever. What's his first name? God, I should know that.
0: David. Oh, I can, uh, David Beckham. David Beckham, right? Yeah. Um <laughs>
1: they have kids. I just saw in some like People magazine or whatever that their oldest son just got married and I was like, oh my oh, god.
0: I didn't know they were that old. See, yeah.
1: They're not that old. I think they just she just had a kid like in her mid 20s mm. while kind of all of this was happening. She got married and had a baby. Um mm. so in 2018 they announced their reunion. Um, All except for Victoria Beckham, who's like serious posh now and has Mm -hmm. her own fashion, you know, is like super famous and doesn't need to do a reunion. And there's been this kind of like, you know, nostalgia of people in their 30s and 40s. And there's, you know, like resurgence. I guess. It actually reminded Mm -hmm. me a little bit of how Riot Girls like that is coming back. There's this sort of cycling back through. However, Mm -hmm. interestingly, they... Publicly disowned the girl power slogan. Did you know this?
0: Disowned?
1: Yes. Um,
0: What's the reason?
1: They're now for people power. Oh. Because they're for equality and bringing everyone together, according to Baby Spice. And then Jerry said, if we use the word feminism, okay, look it up in the dictionary. And it means the equalization between women and men. It's everybody. So we want to move that conversation on, move it forward. So my favorite social media post that I found about the Spice Girls retracting their girl power slogan is from a Twitter user at um, Lewis Peitzman. I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. Um, but the tweet is, I can't believe the Spice Girls took an already completely benign statement and all lives mattered it. We live in hell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, that's true.
1: <laughs> um, so, you know, I keep saying this whole episode, I like how I even feel kind of shitty, like mocking the Spice Girls, because there is this element of like sexism that's involved in dismissing them as superficial garbage, you know, pop gold culture garbage, But there is this more like serious side to them. And they had this massive impact in some ways and yet like you have the members of the band today saying like girl power it's people power and like everyone is everything and winston churchill is a spice girl and at that point i'm just like fuck off what is this like this yeah. is clearly yeah. nothing um but there was a new york times article by alicia and gupta and jennifer harlan that i thought was really fascinating looking at like the I don't know if it was the 25th anniversary or like some anniversary of the Spice Girls and kind of reckoning with this like back and forth. And so they talked to Andy Zeisler, who co-founded the feminist pop culture magazine Bitch in 1996, which was Mm -hmm. right when the Spice Girls were making their debut. And Zeisler says, Mm -hmm. I think it's possible to say on the one hand, the Spice Girls and Girl Power were this very contrived marketing technique. And that's true but that doesn't mean that it wasn't very real for the girls themselves or for their audience. I grew up with feminism as an irredeemably dirty word. No one wanted to be associated with it. So just the optics of having a group of women talking about feminism in a different language, making it accessible, that is really important. So I guess I would ask you at the end of this, like what, like this idea of girl power, this like catchphrase slash slogan, like does it have value did it set things back, especially knowing that it was, you know, picked up from the Riot Girls, which that as a movement itself had some issues. So I don't know, like where are you left with thinking about girl power?
0: I mean, I think, <laughs> I think what it reminds me of is, um, like people trying to dumb down a movement to where it's accepted by quote unquote, the masses, um, And just Mm -hmm. maybe my frustration with people who always want to find some sort of middle ground. Like Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: I like this, but I don't want to get like too involved. I don't Mm want to be seen as too far off to the extreme. Like I want to be cool, but I don't want to really put anything into it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to actually make a difference or sacrifice or something. And and then you know me, I'm just like, pick a fucking side, <laughs> <laughs> get more extreme. <laughs> but maybe that was, I think that last quote that you read is helpful to think about in that. Maybe the Spice Girls in and of themselves, the whole capitalistic machine that it seems was behind them had some nefarious context to it, but hopefully, hopefully it helped radicalize some girls in the late nineties that are now doing something more than that. Even though at that point it was just kind of fluff, you
1: know? Yeah. That's interesting to think like, okay, maybe, maybe it even what, let's say it was a hundred percent nefarious and purely just like a cash mm-hmm. grab. you know, is it, if it then inspired legitimate, radical, activism in some way like some little nine-year-old girl was listening to it and then ended up you know taking that message that was sold to her to make her buy whatever Spice Girl gear but she Mm -hmm. ended up using that message to inspire some like genuinely radical action well I don't know if that actually happened but like that's, (laughs) that's an interesting question to say like so What does, what do we take, what do we make of that? Like if something that wasn't intended to spark radical activism does, does it have some value that it was never intended to have?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I I mean, I don't think it would directly inspire that, but maybe it was just one part of building an identity in somebody that now finds themselves like more active in a meaningful way than it was for that movement.
1: Well, um, I mean, I think about even like my own political awakening that's still going on, you know, like my own politics mm-hmm, and commitments mm-hmm. to like myself to take risks and to really like being in real solidarity with people, which means like sacrifice and risk, you know? So I just keep trying to think about why, like all of these, I think I, I totally agree with what you said. And, and I'm just left with like, why, why, do the Spice Girls rub me the wrong way so much? Like, why do I find them so incredibly grating and annoying? (laughs) Like, why am I so bothered? And I think ultimately it's because so many white liberal women, I will say, like us, progressive, whatever, like left-leaning women, I think can get sucked into this Mm -hmm. idea that a catchy, a slogan catching on is the same as actual change. Uh And it's not true. It's like the same way that you can post a black lives matter sign in your yard. And now you have like a punchy catchy slogan, but that's it, you know? Uh So So I think what really bothers me is this idea that like, we cannot get caught up that something that surface level, like a slogan I, you know, also, I'm terrible at marketing. I'll be the first person to admit it. So maybe there's more <laughs> need behind this than I recognize. And real- like, I was trained as a professor. So I want to write like a 30 page, you know, academic paper that nobody gives a shit about or reads, you know. So I should not be the person to talk about slogans, but <laughs> there is something about it that feels so tempting to say, like, oh, yeah, there's this catchiness that I can like have on a bag that I carry around. I'm like, that's enough.
0: I don't know. Am I being too... Yeah, I think that, no, I think that the underlying theme is like, do something more. Like, do something more than dance in your living room to a catchy song. Mm -hmm. Like, do something more than put a sign in your front yard. Be more, like, critical even of the things that we support, you know, like, like the whole um, abortion issue that's, so prominent, always has been, but of course more so now. I mean, I've thought about that even recently. That I have, as you know, my tattoo that's the um, the RBG descent collar and says "I descent above it." Like, and then with all the abortion stuff, you see people saying, "Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's like rolling over in her grave." Blah, blah blah. On the other hand, Ruth Bader Ginsburg also should have stepped down when. Obama was still in office so that he could have replaced her with not fucking Amy Comey Barrett, you Mm -hmm. know? So there's like, I, and not that I don't still love Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but you have to recognize like the nuances and situations more, and you can't just use a catchy phrase and you can't just have one hero. You can't just have like one group that maybe motivates you to things like we just have to get deeper, which I think is a commitment that a lot of White women have refused to make, yeah, you know, and, and that,
1: less popular. Like you might lose yeah. fans, Taylor, yeah, selfish, exactly, or you might lose customers, or you might lose friends, or you might like, mm-hmm. and that ultimately, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. make like you said, got to make a choice. So. There we have it. I never in a million years would have thought we would have talked about the Spice Girls. But the, the kind of last little bit, I think, before we move into our book club, we'll be looking at um, girl bosses as kind of mm-hmm. like the last like turn of girl power. This very
0: oh, good. We get to rag on freaking Rachel Hollis again. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been leaning in. Do it. Um, I'm so glad to talk to you. Have a good week, everybody. Please be well. And like, get in, get in there.
0: All right. Bye, guys. Bye.